this is Marcelo Pico, Editor-in-Chief of Talk Film Society and your host for the Talk Film Society Festival 2020. Welcome to Day 7. Uh, here, you'll hear my conversation with Mike Schindler. He presents Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, and if you're listening to this on October 21st, the day it drops, um, it's the 15th anniversary of the release of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So hey, timely. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we, we talk about how well or not well this movie has aged, uh, returns, uh, is the theme for the festival and you'll, you'll hear Mike's rationale for picking this. Uh, overall, it's a good conversation. I still like the movie, but we, we have a frank discussion about it and, and, uh, how it uh, fits, uh, in, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Shane Black's career. So stay tuned for that after I tell you once again about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Talk Film Society. Go there, get some bonuses, bonus episodes. Uh, check out our collection of writing, a, a program for the Talk Film Society Festival, where c- c- uh, contributors, uh, podcast hosts, uh, great people from Talk Film Society, the, uh, we all came together to write about the films featured here at the festival and and if you are a patron uh, for talk film society if you help us uh you know stay up if you if you uh, support us in that way then you can get that writing so check that out uh, and also go to talkfilmsociety.com slash tfs fest for the breakdown of all the episodes for the schedule uh, for what has been published and released so far and what's, uh, what's coming up in case you're, you're, uh, listening to this as it comes out, which if you are, thank you. If you've just hopped into this episode, listen to it. Thank you. Um, if you listen to anything that we've ever done, thank you. But, but yeah, uh, that's all, uh, again, ground I have to cover in every intro because, uh, I think it's important, uh, especially that program, uh, because we put a lot of great work into it. And I hope people check that out as part of this festival. And with that, um, please enjoy me and Mike Schindler uh, discussing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Uh, Not too bad. How about yourself? Uh, Pretty good on this hot uh, August day. Um, yes. <laughs> I just, I just forgot for a, for a second there that it's um, not the best week <laughs> in the history of of weeks. Um, we were just talking off mic about the Republican National Convention, which is happening this week, and um, like not even twenty minutes ago, I was checking weather dot com and tracking the two hurricanes that are oh. <laughs> that are uh, coming into the Gulf of Mexico that are threatening the Texas coast, which have me worried. So. Beyond that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's pretty much par for the course this year, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. just just uh, anticipate the worst. <sighs> um, but beyond that, I mean, I hope you're doing well, Mike. Um, it's it's something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot going on, which means not much going on. It's weird. It is a very weird time. Um, one thing that I... Well, this whole festival that I've been working on with people 
and getting people involved in podcasting and hopefully writing about this thing is um, when reason I'm doing it's because you know I think it was an interesting thing uh, to do five years ago even before the official site was up you know just me just as a podcaster just getting people together and picking films under one theme um, and I'm like let's let's do it again because um, there I mean it's been five years since the last one there's a website now I've met interesting people along the way um, you know uh, and I'm like why not and also because of the situation we're in now where <laughs> there are no theaters um, well some are some are open now as of this recording yeah um, but it's just a different world where namely film festivals aren't what they are anymore yeah. um as of this recording uh, fantasia fest is happening all virtually and that's one of the biggest genre festivals in the world that's held in quebec like a, like any film festival is you know or used to be like live with people there you know uh, world, pre- world premieres um movie stars showing up red carpet but that that's that's not a thing anymore in this in this covid world so I don't know, just to kind of bring people together, talk about a good selection of films. I'm like, yeah, let's do the Talk from Society Fest again. Let's yeah. bring that in. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Why and not, right? Yeah, yeah. And for those who don't know, I'm sure you guys don't know, unless you're super fans who've been with Talk from Society for like over five years now. But Mike, you were on the first uh, film fest we did five years ago talking about the replacement killers yeah still an uh, awesome yeah. movie yeah um and that theme was a theme i think of just like firsts yeah like yeah it makes sense yeah yeah and now five years later the theme is returns yeah like i just like hey any uh, pick a movie with that theme and you can interpret that any way you want so mike what's the film that you picked under this theme of returns the film that I picked was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, the reason for that was, you know, I mean, Returns, I think sort of the obvious thing that you go to would be like characters returning, maybe like Batman Returns or Superman <laughs> Returns or Return of a Man Called Horse. You know, and I, so I didn't want to do that. I also didn't want to do like a filmmaker returning to a franchise. That seemed like a little too on the nose. So I thought, oh, well, how about a filmmaker returning to movies, you know? And Shane Black, who was like the king of of action in the 80s and 90s, making, you know, movies like Lethal Weapon and The Last Boy Scout and Last Action Hero. After The Long Kiss Goodnight in 1996, he just stopped. I mean... I don't know how much of that was his doing or, 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 or someone else's doing or whatever, but he was gone for like nine years. And then he finally came back with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which he both wrote and directed. And since then, he's been you know, pretty consistent having worked on things like uh, Iron Man 3 and The Nice Guys and uh, Predator and, and all that stuff. So I thought... That's, that's kind of an interesting thing. Not to mention that even though it's not as cut and dry as, as Shane Black, Robert Downey Jr. had pretty much disappeared. And this was, in a lot of ways, his return. Like, this is the movie which showed to the studios that he could 
be relied on to make a movie and it led to Iron Man and the rest is history. So I thought this would be a good pick. Yeah, and uh, I I did forget about that um, that gap in time in Shane Black's career, where he he, he had like an, an amazing output as a writer, and I love I loved up until, up until that point like everything he had written. Mm-hmm. You know, Last Boy Scout is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. ask our our friend Diego Crespo. Yeah, That's yeah, an Diego, amazing movie. You know, he loves it. Um, and you know, the original Lethal Weapon. The Long Kiss Goodnight, I absolutely love. Maybe the is that's Rennie Harlan, right? That's yes. that's that that is the best Harlan movie. I think has to be right. No, it, no. What what is it, Mike? Uh, I mean, I, I guess objectively speaking, you'd have to say Deep Blue Sea. But um, I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for Drive. I don't know if you've seen that one. What is Drive? Tell me that's, about Drive. That's the. Uh, the NASCAR or something Formula One movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That just for some reason, I, I, like that movie in my head is called like Formula Fifty One or something, but that's not right. No, yeah. Formula Fifty One is well, it's another movie. Well, it's it doesn't have anything to do with that, but that's a movie with Samuel L. Jackson, and that's right. It's it, that Formula Fifty One was the american title but the original title for it was uh the 51st state and i think the reason why they changed it was because it was right around the time that 51st dates came out (laughs) and i think they were afraid that people would be confused i could be getting that wrong i don't know uh that's 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 my headcanon anyway but yeah somebody somebody will will correct us in the comments yeah um kiss kiss bang bang and and this will be like a pre, like a spoiler-free discussion for anybody who is watching along with this fest, and is watching it for the first time maybe, um, and for anybody who wants to rewatch it, um, we'll just tease it, you know, and you know we'll have a post-film discussion afterwards. So, yeah, two thousand five, and it, yeah, it's it's sort of like how McConaughey had his re- renaissance and re- eventually got him the Oscar, um, you know, like a decade before that happened, Robert Downey Jr. had gone through his renaissance and with this and like what, like Zodiac, uh-huh. uh, Tropic. Well, I guess Tropic Thunder was the same year as Iron Man. Like, and then 2008, psh, like he was back baby, like for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, and like I was, I'm old enough to remember him on Ally McBeal. Yes. <laughs> and I remember his arc, and I remember reading the headlines or just watching Entertainment Tonight and just them saying, oh, he's not going to be on the show anymore because of his insane drug problem, which mm-hmm. he's been upfront about. So even even like with that context, I uh, I knew, oh, like he's, 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 this is like part of his redemption. Me, you know, watching this in like 20, in 2006, I'm like, oh. This is, you know, where Robert Downey Jr. Uh, should be in his career, like in, in an upswing. Um, when when did you first see this, Mike? When did I first see this, I saw this in the theater uh, when it first came out. Um, so 2005, uh, something like that. And, you know, I, I was definitely looking forward to it because, I mean, I, I've been a fan of Robert Downey Jr.'s, you know, going 
Uh, I mean, the first time that I actually like took note of him was in uh, Two Girls and a Guy, the that that movie. Um, it's, it's a James Toback movie, you know, so whatever at, at this point in time. But at the time, um, you know, seeing it, you know, as a 17 year old, I was like, this is amazing, you know, and his performance was fantastic. I, I like instantly like watching him in, in that movie. I'm like, this is he's one of the best out there, you know, and, you know, seeing him in, you know, pretty much everything that he had been in after that, like even things like U.S. Marshals and stuff like that, you know, yeah. he was great. So uh, I was excited to see him, you know, back on the big screen with this. But also, you know, I mean, this had this sort of noirish. Uh, detective thing going for it and everything so I, I was way into the idea of this movie and you know made it a priority when it came out and I, I liked it quite a bit I mean I wasn't over the moon for it and I'm still not I mean I still like it a lot but I, I think it does have some problems but yeah but yeah I, I think that it's it's really solid and and I think that it's place in recent film history is is very interesting too so, um, and I want to take note of that too. But let's go back to Shane Black. Like yeah. when you sat down to watch this in a the theater in 2005, mm-hmm. and I just saw this like a year later in 2006 on DVD. Um, but you were lucky enough. <laughs> I, I, I rewatched this with a commentary, which I had listened to before years ago. But Shane Black, uh, Rob Dyer Jr., Val Kilmer are all together in this commentary. And they're ribbing each other, and they're constantly making. Well, Shane Black is making jokes about how nobody went to go see this in a theater. Yeah. So you're one of the few unlucky ones. Yeah, there there uh, weren't that many people in there. I mean, I probably saw it like it might have been the day it came out, um, but like an afternoon show, and I remember there not being very many people in there at all. Yeah. But were you just? immensely excited about Shane Black returning like as like a writer and also a director we do you remember having that excitement about this movie I I I wasn't I mean certainly I, I was a fan of Shane Black's work but I wasn't over the moon about him I, I found it I mean it's sort of like the big narrative at the time was like he's been gone for all this time and now he's back like that's so weird sort of thing you know, and like this guy who like defined 90s action cinema, you know, hasn't written anything for nine years and now he's he's back on the scene. And what does that mean? So I, I was intrigued by it in that regard. But I can't say that I'm like a huge fan of any of Shane Black's early movies. I, I mean, really? I honestly couldn't care less about Lethal Weapon. I think Monster <laughs> Squad is OK. You know, I flat out don't like Last Boy Scout or Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like, you know, a Shane Black super fan, really, until his later work. But there were things about it that I that I liked, like uh, the fact that his movies always take place at Christmas. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Christmas movies and uh, my, my dream... My, my dream uh, double feature or, or, you know, movie marathon or whatever is a, a Shane Black Christmas. I want to do that so badly, you know, but uh, really it's, it's the movies that he's made since Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which have really made him a standout for me. I got you. So this was like a turning point for you where you were just 
I guess. Not a huge fan, or not even a fan at all, it sounds like. I mean, how could you not love uh, um, Last Boy Scout? It's insane. Let's, we won't get into that. Okay. <laughs> we won't get into that. But but uh, that's interesting, because I was actually having this conversation off mic with somebody else about how... And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the plot, and then later we'll talk about just how things in this movie don't work as well, like 15 years later. Mm-hmm. But when I first saw this, I was in love with it. I loved how clever it is or how clever I thought it was back then. And yeah, then like he, he stood out because at that point I, I, I may have already seen, I may have already seen lethal weapon and like, was like, Oh, this is pretty good. Then I was making the connections. Like, oh, this guy did lethal weapon. And then last boy scout. Yeah. And he wrote last action hero or co-wrote whatever that was. So I made I, I at that point I made this connection, you know, that this was like, oh, this is a guy I like. Then he does Iron Man three, which I'm like, oh, that stands out as you know a good a good superhero movie, and one that works because it's in the hand of somebody who has like a voice and that voice comes through, and then and then the nice guys is like that's just that's amazing. I think that it's either that or Last Boy Scout is like my favorite Shane Black uh, written thing. So. I mean, what's what's your favorite of Shane Black's filmography? Is it this, or I mean, you said it's like later work, so so which one is it? I mean, I think probably you know it's kind of, I guess, surprising in some ways, you know, considering that it's his, I don't know, maybe least personal in a lot of ways. But I think that uh, Iron Man three is probably his best. Uh, the thing that I love about it is really how he's bringing his own sensibilities to that massive franchise i mean that was the first marvel movie uh to be made after um avengers right i mean so it's like the biggest thing in the world and yet it's made like a kind of i'm not going to say like indie movie but you know it's got that sort of harder edge It, it doesn't have you know the the gloss that you find on on most uh Marvel movies, and and it really does feel like a, a personal work. I mean, it is kind of weird when you think about it because you you think of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang being like the return and everything, but really, like <laughs> after that, he he doesn't do another thing until Iron Man three, which was eight years later. There was almost the same gap between <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Long Kiss Goodnight as there was between Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and. Iron Man 3. It doesn't feel like that, though. I guess that's just how time works, right? Yeah, time is just weird mm-hmm. like that. Because, yeah, I, I kind of have that same um, thought where I just feel like... Uh, and, it's, and it's maybe because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh, helped propel Robert Downey Jr. into being you know, a superstar. And then, and then it feels like almost right after that, he's he brought in Shane Black... And said, "Hey, you know, help me make Iron Man three. And it seemed like a natural curve, a natural process. And it felt like a shorter time span than it actually was. It yeah. was like eight years. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, let's talk let's about the plot of this of Kiss, of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Can you kind of uh, describe what's going on here without spoiling it, Mike? Yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, it's kind of like." this sort of like subset of, of like noir where, uh, the, the, the main character, the quote unquote detective sort of like stumbles into the, uh, 
the 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 mystery you know is some similar to like the big lebowski in that respect where robert downey jr is a small time crook in new york who through a series of weird events ends up uh, with the screen test in la and once he gets to la he finds himself involved in a murder mystery with ties to various aspects of uh, his life and the people around him and uh, hijinks ensue. So that that's pretty much the plot. I, the thing that I find interesting is something which I, I, I was not aware of when I was watching it, but uh, there's um, an, an article which was written by uh, Bordwell and Thompson about like action movie structure and they talked about how there's sort of like this four act structure, which is used for most modern action movies. And, uh, it's demonstrated in kiss, kiss, bang, bang as days. Like each day is a different act in this structure. And I I don't know. I mean, that seems pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's a, I guess, I don't know, in some ways sort of like an easy device or something, but it's, it's interesting to look at from a, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, an action movie scholarly perspective, you know, and just just to kind of see how these things are built, you know. That's interesting that you bring that up because it's a film. When you, when you say that, it it does uh, play these action these action beats uh, and detective beats like pretty well because Shane Black is a I think he's a great screenwriter in that regard, like setting things up and. And fulfilling things by the end, and then also has these these like these tricks, these like uh, fourth wall breaks that I find I find I found them interesting when I first watched them, but I don't know if they've aged amazingly well. Uh, what what do you think about those like fourth wall breaks that he does in this movie, Mike? I mean, I like them myself. Um, I I think uh, the 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 little like stopping the film trick that he does um it, it's it's not it's not hugely realistic sorry which is <laughs> that's something i wrote down mike uh-huh. because i knew it was either me bringing it up or you gonna or you were gonna bring it up i knew that was gonna come up in the conversation yeah so. <laughs> yeah it, it, does, it doesn't really work but you know whatever they tried um if if you're if you're if your projector is, is stopping like that for one thing you're gonna burn a hole in the film but also like you would have to like there'd have to be something really wrong with the projector in order for the frame to, to, to be lost by stopping the projector. But still, not nearly as bad as the film projection we see in Shane Black's uh, later movie, The Nice Guys. That's a hot mess. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about that in the next segment because I, want, cause I don't remember you telling me that. You may have told me that once before in a podcast, but I want you to say that again. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that in the next segment. All right. Um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, but um, but but, but it, okay. As but, far yeah, as but, like besides besides the unbelievable yeah. the unbelievability of the 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 real stopping mm-hmm. uh, those those fourth wall tricks. No, I, I like it because it's it acknowledges the the tricks that movies use in order to tell these stories and how lots of times they don't work. Like when they say, have you figured it out yet? Have you put the pieces together? I mean, I think that that's cool because it sort of gives that, uh, I mean, like like there's always two types of Sherlock Holmes stories, right? There's the ones which uh, give you certain information and then say, oh, 
but we know that he's the killer because of this thing which was sitting on his mantle. And it's like, okay, that's not like you're not playing fair with the reader there because, you know, what you should do is give the reader all of the clues and see if they can can piece together this story, right? Piece together what this mystery. But when you uh, deliberately don't tell somebody something in order to, you know, keep the mystery, you're cheating, right? This movie doesn't cheat, but it also calls out how it's hard to do that in a movie and not give away what the the answer is just by the fact that you are telling people this in the first place, you know? Yeah. As as much as like and we'll we'll talk about this more maybe in the next segment, but as much as I I think it may be too too cutesy at times. I'm, I'm, I'm using quotes. Um, some of it, I think, is still hilarious, though. Like, I think the joke of it still works. Like, oh, I forget, I should have written this down. So it is one of my favorite moments in the film when it, the 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 scene the scene pauses and Robert Downey Jr.'s character goes, "Oh, sorry, that was you know that was kind of a boring scene. Like, would do you think that's gonna amount to anything later? Uh, like that scene in." With the chef in um, in uh, Hunt Crimson, for October, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right, Hunt for Red October. I, I I love that instance. So yeah, it's it's um, I still think it's like clever enough. Yeah, but I I, I will say, um, the uh, the nice guys I think is a better script, and I think it works out a lot of the kinks that I think this has. But this still is like so important in Shane Black and and also Robert Downey Jr.'s career. So. It's a good pick. We're gonna stop it there, and we're gonna we're gonna let people watch the movie if they're playing this before the movie. And then after the break, we'll come back and talk more about this and more in depth. So, Mike, uh, oh, any any last words before we toss it to uh, the break? Before we we let people watch the movie? I think that's it. I, I think if you haven't seen it in a while, or you haven't seen it at all, and you have seen Iron Man three. I, I would say just look out for the the similarities in terms of structure and everything because they're pretty pretty interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. This and also then after that, like nice guys. It's he he has a thing. And this is what I love about him. Like um, he has that thing where he just loves detective movies mm-hmm. and he loves like pairing like these oddball pairings. And you'll see it throughout his entire career and, and here for sure. So there you go, folks. Enjoy. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, and we'll talk to you after the break. And we're back. Hope you guys enjoyed the movie or just listened through the break and are back now. Maybe you've already watched the movie before and just listened to this for the hell of it. Or maybe you haven't even watched the movie at all and you're just interested interested in us spoiling it for you. So here we go. Um... (laughs) Uh, why don't we start with like some of the stuff that doesn't work 15 years later? Um, even uh, I, this is the first thing I'll point out. This is worth pointing out. And also, I'm not, I'm not going to cancel this movie <laughs> because, God forbid, I think it's still a good movie. Even listen to the commentary. Kilmer makes you know jokes about you know pretty uh, pretty actresses in the movie and and saying to Shane Black, "Did you date her?" Like Shane, did you did you date her? <laughs> I'm not gonna say it, it. It 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 is a weird balance between uh, 
Shane Black as writer director exposing this immensely uh, corrupt system in Hollywood that exploits as young actresses. Um, it balances that, and while also just like <laughs> it is a 2005 film, and it does ogle. You know these, you know the, the, these women on camera maybe a bit too long and has that male gaze, and I'm like, okay, maybe dial it down a bit. So that's one aspect of the movie that I don't think has aged, you know, so well. In 15 years later, <laughs> especially with like the way they handle Michelle Monaghan's character. So that's kind of why I feel, Mike. I don't know how you feel about the aspect of the movie. How you feel? How that's um, how that has aged, or any other aspect of the movie has aged. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, 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 get, I, I see what you're saying. I guess uh, that didn't bother me so much with this movie. I mean, the thing that, you know, watching it now, well, to, to be honest, watching it then, you know, bothered me was it's rather homophobic, you know? That's all, yeah, also that. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's trying to, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's trying to do because at some in some ways it's trying to like poke fun at homophobia, but at the same time it's just straight up homophobic itself. So that, yeah. I, that's the thing to me, which is by far the the most aged. But I don't think it was a good look for the movie even back then. So yeah. that I don't think hit me as hard watching back then as it does like now. Cause like that, that was like going to be on my list of also things yeah. that made me go, Oh, that's <laughs> sort of weird. Especially that scene where Val Kilmer's character <clears throat> eggs on this guy who's torturing, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And like just shoots him with like a penis gun. Um, yeah. it, it, it revels in being, you know, anti homophobe, but, in that regard, it circles back around and becomes homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, um, I mean, kind of like, well, chasing Amy, you know, where it's like, this is what happens when a bunch of people who aren't gay try to comment on the culture, yeah. and it's like, okay, guys, but you know, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it is. It is. If it's it, uh, this is kind of sidestepping. Although uh, Robert Downey Jr. is also in this movie, I saw, I rewatched Tropic Thunder mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and because I was curious about whether or not um, the blackface was, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a messy topic. Mm-hmm. I think the film barely makes it you know, across the finish line with um, how it handles that blackface. Uh-huh. But I forgot that there's a, 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 a almost sliver, a quick, uh, 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 like subplot of, of, of like one of the characters being gay. Oh, I and I completely know. forgot about that. Yeah. It's like a hat on top of a hat on top of a hat of like you at the forefront, you have uh, Robert Downey Jr. in blackface, but then like two, Levels be, be below that, you have a straight actor, you know, who's secretly gay, played by a straight actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the at the end of the movie, uh, this actor is like um, in a relationship with like Lance Bass at the Oscars. And I'm like, that's weird, and that's very 2008. It's my my point is this is those these movies are like 
pre 2010, you know, pre uh, g- uh, the, the pre gay marriage being the law, it was a very weird time, is what I'm saying, Mike. So, yeah. Yeah. and you can't, um, it's especially with comedies. <laughs> I, I keep seeing this a lot in like films I've watch that were made during that time. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that yeah. kind of blows my mind is looking at like teen comedies from the 90s and just sort of like the casual use of the F word. And it's like, that's right. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, I mean, it's like th- th- those things stand out. I mean, it, it's it's weird because you don't really think of it being that long ago. But I guess I don't know. I, I guess. Yeah. A lot has but- changed. Yeah, I think it's good that it's changed oh, seemingly yeah. rapidly. Yeah. Um, because like they were making gay jokes in Judd Apatow films in like two thousand like seven and now, you know, cut to he's progressed as a filmmaker and he doesn't make those jokes anymore, so that's that's saying a lot. Um it even like a movie like Bill and Ted, which I just recently saw, the first Bill and Ted. Yeah. That throws in the F word and I'm like, Oh and, that's and the sequel that, does too. And the sequel, oh, the sequel does, yeah. <laughs> Although, like, talking about it with, I did a commentary about, uh, I did commentary for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure with Sam Van Heeren, and he, he brought up a good point in that, in Bogus Journey, the bad Bill and Ted say the F word, and you could kind of, like, not forgive it, but, like, give it the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. in Excellent Adventure, they throw around the F word, but it's like the heroes of the movie say it, like, once... I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, I'm glad we moved past that. We we moved past that as a society. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's what has that's those elements haven't aged well. But what what has aged well? Like it's I I I love how it does play with like these. You mentioned like Big Lebowski. I also um, got the the long goodbye vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, inherent vice in a lot of ways, you know, it does that too. Uh, I, you know, it's it's this similar similar thing, and I mean that's cool for sure. You know, and and I love, I mean, I love like genre bending and stuff like that, and, and I love it when when they do that, especially with you know like noir because that's one of my favorite genres in a lot of ways. You know, so I mean to see. And and this one doesn't like get crazy with it, you know, n- not not as crazy as Big Lebowski or even The Long Goodbye, but it, it is you know a variation on a theme, and um, I think that it works really well in that regard. I, I do think so. Um, I was worried a bit that this rewatch wouldn't hold up because I it's it's been a few years since I've seen this. But I did forget the turn in the movie. There's a f- there's a few moments where the movie gets like deadly serious, mm-hmm. and I think I think it does pull it off. But one moment where I was kind of taken aback, and I go, "Oh, this this actually does work better than I remember." Is like when like Robert Downey Jr.'s character Robert Downey Jr.'s character just flips, and like after that that that, that woman henchman gets murdered, mm-hmm. uh, he just picks up the gun and just shoots the, the, the bad guy and it becomes just <laughs> a straight like a drama for that minute of the movie I'm like wow yeah I mean that's a yeah. pretty brutal scene like where she's dying and stuff like that I mean yeah. you know I mean that's it, it, this is a comedy overall but it certainly has some some pretty serious elements to it yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it mostly works because of Robert Downey Jr.'s performance He's he's like incredible in that moment in this in this film overall. Yeah. So it 
it's it's one of those casting choices where I I can't honestly think of anybody who could who could have done it better than Robert Downey Jr. in this. I don't know. I mean, in most of his roles, you know, I mean, maybe not like Sherlock Holmes or something like that, but like <laughs> yeah. like even like Iron Man and everything. Most of his roles, he brings. Like I think his acting style is such that he brings so much of himself to the character that it's hard to separate him from the the role. You know, I mean, like I I, I would be curious to see what this looked like on the page. It, it's possible that someone else could have come in and played it um, very differently and been you know just as effective, but no one could have done it the way that he does it. You know, yeah, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I forget the origins of this, but I'm sure it. If Shane Black didn't write it for Robert Downey Jr., like you're saying, like he certainly slid in, slid, slid into that role where it's like it, it's it felt like it was made from. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, like he tends to do that where he just slides into these roles and like yeah, I mean, two- uh, like like. Go ahead. Two girls and a guy is a is a really good example of that. I mean, that's a case where the movie was written specifically for him, but like you can't imagine anyone else playing that character. You know, I mean, Iron Man as well. Even though, I mean, we know from hundreds of Iron Man comics prior to that that you know it could have been taken another way. Tom Cruise could have played Iron Man, but would we like the character as much as we do now? I, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. It, it would be a different universe. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. <laughs> Where we'd be on a different path. Um, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Val Kilmer, we touched on Val Kilmer a tiny bit and also in the stuff that doesn't hold up, but, uh, his performance in this, what do you think of Kilmer in this movie? Yeah, I think he's really good. Uh, it, it's interesting because when I first think of Vil- Val Kilmer, what I, I think of is Batman Forever, just because, you know, that's the first time I ever saw him, and that's probably, that's definitely the performance which I've seen him in more than any other. So I don't really see other sides to to him as an actor, like, just in my mind. You know, it, it's, it's when I see something like this, I'm like, oh, man. Like, there's this... Thing, they showed it at a theater when they were doing like a Harmony Corinne festival. And there's like <laughs> some short with, that Harmony Corinne directed where like Val Kilmer plays himself going to like some sort of like community theater thing. And like, okay, it's really, or, or I, I, I could be getting some of that long. Maybe it's, it's like a community self-help thing, whatever. Anyway, he's just, um, like unhinged and he's hilarious, you know, and that you can tell is something where he is really bringing a lot to the role. Like he, it's not that he's just performing what's on the page, but he's doing a lot of, you know, like improv and really sort of, um, creating that character. Whereas, you know, obviously in like Batman forever, he's not really doing anything at all, you know? So I, I think that that really kind of like speaks to his talent, and I think that you do see a lot of that here in this movie. Yeah, um, I forget. I'm, I'm looking through his filmography. Uh, for one, oh Spartan. Yeah. Like it's in this era of Val Kilmer, these two, uh, those two stand up for me 
this movie, Kiss Kiss Kim Bang Bang, <clears throat> excuse me, and Spartan. Yeah. Because I love Spartan. Um, I, when I first saw it, I was just kind of blown away by it. And then this came out, and I'm like, wow, Val Kilmer, he's kind of on a roll. But, you know, he also does, like, Mindhunters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he he did a bit part in Deja Vu, which was pretty cool. But, but yeah, he... Eh, Man, what a what an oddball career yeah. in like in 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 good and bad ways. Falcomer has had. He's in um, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I did not know that. Yeah. Is it is is he good in that? He, he's good. I mean, he's playing the uh, the rebooted blunt man, right? So ah. so they really do kind of like a you know because obviously with him playing Batman and everything, there's all that. But also, you know, now, I mean, the fact that, you know, he can't talk anymore, he's really sort of not only become a parallel to Batman, but with Bluntman being played by Silent Bob, right? There's that <laughs> that thing going for it. So the two, it's a it's a cute little bit, you know, he's, he's funny. I mean, he doesn't, it's not like uh, he's given a whole lot to do. It's, it's basically just sort of like a glorified cameo, but he's funny and, and it's cool to see him essentially you know making fun of himself playing batman you know back in the day and now he's the new you know batman in the movie sort of thing. it's it's all a meta joke but it works <laughs> I, I i i do love him i do love that he doesn't take himself seriously yeah at all yeah he's totally but, up for anything right i mean yeah, like why not uh, maybe this might be controversial but maybe my favorite val kilmer performance is mcgruber so i still I still haven't seen that movie i know i need it, to see it it's I, I forget do you do you like the lonely island stuff do, do you i think like the first sandberg and i think the first one i ever saw was uh palm springs but i, I did think that that was pretty good so yeah. yeah so uh hot rod uh is great and then uh what else do they do um Popstar. why can't i think of it pop star that's right pop star mm-hmm. mcgruber all that falls under the same umbrella. So, you know, if you, if you like Palm Springs, which I haven't seen, oh. which I need to see. Check it um, out. Crazy time yeah. travel stuff. I'll, I'll need to do that. Um, I'm up for more time travel stuff. Because yeah. I, I need to remember that time matters. <laughs> okay. Um, what else can we say about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I almost called this the nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, it gets confusing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do love that... He reuses some jokes, like the the bit at the end of this movie where Robert Downey Jr. is talking to the camera, uh-huh. and Kilmer comes in, breaks the fourth wall, and talks to the audience. I mean, he just reused that joke in Iron Man three yeah. at the at the post credits of Iron Man three with um, Robert Downey Jr. telling this story of Iron Man three, and then Mark Ruffalo like, you know, barely paying attention. Yeah, I love that. I love that he's able to just say. It, it's it, it's either like a purpose, purposefully a purposeful nod to kiss kiss bang bang or just like it's a shame blackism. It's like I'll just do that, you know. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> in some ways I think it's similar to that whole um, nineteen forty one Raiders of the Lost Ark joke with the coat hanger, <laughs> yeah. where you know Spielberg used it in nineteen forty one and it didn't work, and then he put it in Raiders. And, you know, here, it's like he knew that he was going to have, you know, like five times as many people see Iron Man 3 
Yeah. So yeah. why not do it again? You know. <laughs> maybe, uh, I think you may be lowballing it. I think fifty times. Is yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I I mentioned this in the in the last segment. Um, the nice guys, uh, part that makes no sense when in, in regards to film. Mm. Talk, talk about that, Mike. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it. Now I need to watch it again. But uh, the, there's the whole thing where they're in the projection booth and they're you know showing a movie like at a beach party or something. I don't remember what it was exactly. They're at someone's house and they're, yeah. they project a film and they're in the booth. Well, it, it, the the problem with it is that it's it's very anachronistic. Like the 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 platter that they're using well okay <laughs> they're using a platter uh, at at this point in time which i think was like 1977 or whatever you would have two projectors side by side and do like a changeover thing like you see in inglorious bastards or whatever you know that would be the technology that existed for the most part the platter system i, I don't think it really came into existence until like the 80s or so where you could essentially splice all the reels for a movie together into one massive reel and then just run that through with the, the film sitting on one big silver platter which spins and then going through the projector and coming out and wrapping around another big silver platter that spins. And so, so there's that. But then, to make it even more anachronistic, the platter that they chose was a Christie Elf platter which is this was super weird technology which really only existed at like i don't know 20 theaters and and and, and i worked at like 10 of them um where <laughs> they the, the middle platter essentially worked like a giant eight track as it's been described to me where it was an endless loop you would splice the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie and then the film would just keep on running in this weird cloverleaf shaped pattern. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life. It barely ever worked. And it wasn't invented until like 1993. So uh-huh. I know what happened. I know for a fact what happened is that this movie was made shortly after the digital conversion and there were a billion projectors out there that were being scrapped and they were like, we need a projector for this movie. And someone went to some random person and said, can I buy a projector off of you? And they're like, sure, here's a projector. And they just <laughs> gave them this thing, which probably wasn't made until like the early to mid 90s at the earliest and actually at the latest because this technology existed for like all of five minutes. So, you know, uh, that being said, I love seeing it up on screen because it is a super weird piece of technology, which basically nobody knows anything about. And it was the bane of my existence for a couple of years. And I love the fact that it's been preserved in a major motion picture and, and can be seen by, by everyone in the world. Uh, so, you know, so you had this reaction of like, oh, look at that. You know, there it is. Uh, that thing I, I worked, you know, with for so for so long. And then also like, wait, that shouldn't be there. Like you had yeah. that kind of dual moment. Where that, it's like, I, oh. I mean, anytime it comes up, like anytime uh, there's projector in a, in a movie, I'm just like, does it work? Is it right? <laughs> you know, like I just saw 52 pickup the other day. 
which is, uh. I don't know, not very great. I don't know, whatever. John Frankenheimer. But there's a scene in a projection booth there, and it's pretty accurate, although the technology is accurate, but the way that it's used is, like, very blasé and, like, would never work. Like, he's not sitting there looking for changeovers. He's just turning projectors on and off. But, you know, I mean, it's just, like, one of those things that you see and think about. And But it, it really became a thing, like, like uh, my coworker, who's probably the world's leading expert on the Christie Elf platter, just because <laughs> he's dealt with them more than anyone else. I, like, you know, texted him right away, and I'm like, you got to watch this movie. You know, next time you're at, you know, one of the theaters that's playing it, you know, stick your head in at this point in time, you know. And he, you know, he, he looked at it and everything, too. And it was just, like, one of those things where it's like, I don't know. It's fun to have a little chuckle about how, and like, no one's going to care. No one's going to be like, that's not accurate. But, you know. Uh, any last thoughts on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang before we wrap this up, Mike? Um, I, I still, I, like, I, I, I wish I loved the movie more than I do. Like, I really, really like it. And I think more than anything, I admire it. Like, as a, as like a technical piece more than anything yeah. you know um it's something that i i want to study a lot more but like when i'm watching it i don't have that you know that just sort of un uh, whatever you know un unthinking whatever just joyous whatever watching <laughs> it you know it, it's yeah. but but it's something that i i really admire and and I think that his place in history is really interesting. Certainly, like just the fact that this movie, which nobody saw, kind of changed the course of the biggest movies that we've seen for like the next, you know, fifteen, twenty years. Like that's oh, yeah. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I was, <laughs> I was joking about before. I honestly think it would be somewhere completely different if. Robert Downey Jr. didn't get cast in this, and he didn't have like that upswing, like he like the domino effect of him not getting this, maybe not being in Zodiac, not getting Iron Man, you know, not being nominated for an Oscar for Tropic Thunder. Like, if that hadn't happened, where would you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe be? Where would Disney be? Yeah. It'd be yeah. It's like that meme that's going around now of like uh, somebody putting. A domino, a tiny domino at the start, and then at the very end, it's like a huge domino. I don't think you have you seen that meme, no. Mike, where it's like, like uh, the the most recent one, the most recent version I saw was like a guy putting a small domino, and it says like uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his friends being horny, and then the last big domino is like uh, your mom thinking you know QAnon is bringing down the government <laughs> and <laughs> and and the and the election of uh, Donald Trump. So yeah, uh, this is the little domino. That started, you know, and then the the the, the real big domino is uh, Disney uh, buying every movie theater in America. So yeah. there you go. And folks. is that good or bad? I don't know. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, we'll, we'll 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 find out in a few years. Yeah. But, but yeah, but this is the domino that got it started. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Mike, for this pick. It's a good pick. Yeah. I mean, I I still dig. I, I'm kind of with you. I dig this movie a lot. I used to love it a lot more. I think as a kid, but it's it is definitely interesting. And I think worth going back to for sure, just as a case study of like um, the 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 evolution of of a of a, of an actor and also of a director, 
both together and apart. So yeah, it's it's a solid choice. So thank you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for and having before me. Before we go, yeah, before we go, plugs. Where can people listening find you online? Uh, well, you can find me um, on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. You can also find me on FilmDamagePod.com, where I do a show called Film Damage. We're actually kind of breaking it up, but Film Damage, which is the main show, is about film projection, where we do talk a lot about stuff like that. Uh, But we also talk about things like um, what it is we actually do as projectionists, you know, like uh, what a typical Thursday night was like back in the day, like that sort of thing. Um, We also do a a couple of other shows on on that website, uh, one called Elementary Temporal Mechanics, where we take a look at time travel in movies and Star Trek and break it down and see whether or not it actually logically works. And uh, then also a, a new show that we're doing called Holodeck Techs, where it's a, a Star Trek show. Right now we're doing audio commentaries for all the new episodes of Lower Decks and Discovery that are coming out uh, between now and January. And if I ever get off my ass and edit this thing, uh, we've got Trek Film Society right here That's on right. Talk Film Society. You know, the pandemic has just been very draining, you know, but I, I, I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it. I'm sorry. I'll do it. And take your time, Mike. I mean, I, for God's sakes, we're, we're, we're in the middle of pandemic. <laughs> I can forgive anything. <laughs> Mike, thanks. Thanks again. Um, and I hope people... Uh, enjoyed our conversation about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and I hope um, if they watched it for the first time I hope they enjoyed it and uh, if they rewatched it hope they enjoyed it again and uh, hope this is a good uh, uh, companion piece to that so thanks Mike yeah thanks for having me